Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of the Wobcast. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, coming to you from Draft Town, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, site of the 2017 NFL Draft. Producer Nate Vaughn, not here. Replacement producer Mike Harris is here at the 2017 NFL Draft with me. He says, what up? Philadelphia moving up producer Mike's power rankings for NFL cities after our visit here for a couple of days. So for those of you keeping track at home, you can start sliding Philly up in the power rankings. Um, We've had a good time here. Uh, There's definitely a buzz in Philadelphia, right, Mike? The city's alive, man. It's it's good here. Everybody's got their NFL jerseys on. We went down there yesterday and toured around while they were putting it all together it's it's fantastic philly's doing a good job yes they are it will not surprise me if philly gets it again next year chicago had it two years in a row and i think after you do it in year one you kind of get the lay of the land and figure out how to do it and then you get it in year two i I hope philadelphia gets that same chance i don't think that every city that ends up hosting the draft now in the future will get two years because eventually the blueprint is going to be laid out and and teams and cities are just going to follow the blueprint but I don't think we're to that stage yet, so I really hope Philadelphia gets another crack at it. Mike is right. We've seen um, a lot of people from a lot of places here in Philadelphia, Um, but we did see someone from back home. Um, We saw Ryan Stegeman, who has been selected by the Vikings to be the season ticket member representative for our club at the draft. He gets a VIP experience, which included breakfast with Commissioner Goodell, um, so really a fun experience for him. We saw him, he was on our flight. We saw him at the airport and, uh, and he was very excited to get that done here this weekend. So congratulations to him. I'm sure he's doing a great job of representing Minnesota and the Vikings. So, um, it's been a lot of fun. We, we arrived in Philadelphia. We immediately went to the NFL's hotel where they held a media availability for some of their analysts, including Mike Mayock, Steve Mariucci, Brian Billick, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, Ike Taylor. So lots of good stuff from from that event that is up on Vikings.com right now. So if you haven't seen it, make sure you go and check it out. Uh, we've been busy doing that. We've been busy doing other things. Follow the Vikings on their various social media accounts, Snapchat, um, Instagram, and Twitter specifically, uh, because we're, we're capturing content and sending it back and putting it up on those platforms as well. So uh, lots of stuff going on. Uh, we're here. We're glad we're here. The reason we're here is because we don't pick in the first round, Um, and so normally we have to be at the facility when we pick because we interview Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer after the pick, but since we're not picking on Thursday night uh, in the first round, we thought we'd come here and check it out. We'll be back at the facility uh, in Eden Prairie for Friday and Saturday, bringing you coverage of the draft from back home. So the Vikings, no pick in the first round, but they do have eight picks in this draft including pick number 48 um, overall in the second round. And they have three picks in the top 86. They pick at 48, 79, and 86. Um, So three in the top 86 is pretty good. Eight overall. uh, The reason the Vikings have uh, a couple of extra picks is uh, trades with Miami. They have number 86 overall from Miami and number 128 overall from Miami. So the Vikings will be active players on day two of the draft on Friday. That's when they have rounds two and three um mini steam room here from the draft steam room is a segment we've introduced on the wobcast the last couple of uh of episodes 
We've brought you information from Adam Schefter and from Ian Rappaport, um, things that they're hearing, uh, rumors, speculation, reports. And so, uh, so we thought we'd bring you a little steam room here from the actual draft. And kind of the uh, feeling right now is maybe it's not Miles Garrett, number one overall for the Cleveland Browns. There's a growing sense that it could be a quarterback taken number one overall. Um, by the Cleveland Browns, and that quarterback being Mitchell Trubisky out of North Carolina. So that's kind of been interesting. Um, another thing that people are talking about is Alabama tight end O.J. Howard being a top 10 pick or, or maybe a top 5 pick, and the fact that a tight end is going to get drafted before a wide receiver most likely this year, uh, which is fairly unusual. So that's been kind of a fun story to follow. Um, we've all been talking about the devaluation of the running back position in the last few years, but then guys like Ezekiel Elliott come along. Uh, even someone like Melvin Gordon, and, and now there's more value at the running back position perhaps, and as many as three running backs could go in the first round this year, including Christian McCaffrey, who some believe will go um, in the top ten, and Leonard Fournette, and maybe even Dalvin Cook in the first round. Um, so that's been kind of fun to follow. In fact, uh, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, Peter Schrager of Good Morning Football and NFL Network and of NFL on Fox, says don't expect McCaffrey to escape the top eight in the first round, suggesting maybe that a team like the Carolina Panthers um, could swoop in and grab Christian McCaffrey. So that'll be fun to watch tonight to see where some of the running backs go. So um, that's the steam room from the draft, um, some top 10 and, and first round steam. We, we don't have much on the second round because the first round hasn't happened yet. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens and what the lay of the land will be for the Vikings in the second round. It's going to be a, a fun process sitting around all day tomorrow taking a look at the top 10, 15, 20 players who are still on the board and wondering which one of those guys the Vikings are going to be able to nab. Um, as I said, we uh, we had cool media availability here from Philadelphia, um, so if you, if you haven't done so already, make sure you go and check that out. Have you been in a draft room without a first-round pick? Uh, no. Been with a late first-round pick that we traded out. Uh, had a first-round pick that we traded away for the next year, which I was really pissed off at at the time. It was my first year, and it's like, man, have you seen this roster? What are you doing? But it ended up getting us uh, Jamal Lewis the next year, so Ozzie Newsom did the right thing. What do you think the challenges are when you don't have a top pick, first-round pick, but you do have three in the top 86? It's pretty good because obviously the value in the second and third round and your ability to move around, particularly in what we were just talking about, is a role-specific league now in the draft. You don't just, okay, we need a defensive end. Well, do we need an edge rusher? we need a point of attack guy? Do we need a hybrid guy? Well, we need a tight end. Well, are we talking point of attack guy or a move guy? It, it, we need a safety. Well, are we talking in the box guy or a back end guy? A guy that can play nickel and slot? I mean, we, we keep narrowing it down, and, in, and, and it's tough to get a guy that can do all those. If he is, he's going to go in the first 10, 15 picks. So if I'm going to, you know, role-specific drafting, that's where the second and third round can be very productive. Where are from a head coach's perspective or a coach's perspective, balancing what we are good at, let's stay good at that and make it even better with, hey, we're not good at this, we got to get better at this. What, what keeps my job? Which one's going to keep my job? Because it's great to say the long perspective and down the road. Well, down the road to me is the end of the season because I may run my ass out of town. So whatever it is that we think, uh, you like to have that balance. Right now, every coach, I'm assuming 
but like in our room, on the draft room, there's the board and the top 150 and the sideboard. And over here is our roster with the little placards of what we got. And I'm looking over there seeing a whole bunch of holes. Lack of depth at this position. I don't have a friggin' tight end, you know, under contract, that type of thing. So, yeah, you want to fill those holes first. I want to know I can line up in my opener on September, whatever it is, and I don't, I'm sitting here without a left guard. I don't have a strong safety. Uh, and so you certainly want to address those first, but then you're also looking at talent. Boy, I really like to look at this guy, that guy. I can see him fitting in. So, you know, you're balancing that all the time. On Friday morning when we're sitting there gnashing our teeth, who are some names that we're going to be able to chew on and consider? Well, give me some positions you want. Offensive line, running back, and anything that Mike Zimmer can use to get even better. Oh, boy, that's beautiful. I love that one. Um, I think I'm going to follow the Reuben Foster story pretty cl- pretty closely and see what happens. It's not like you don't have a guy who patrols the middle pretty well already. But Reuben Foster, you might be able to do something with multiple guys, and Mike's been able to do that. Um, it's funny because I actually watched some tape of uh, Kendall Beckwith from LSU, another inside linebacker who can move and run and the whole thing. I think that when you talk about running backs, there's a plethora of them, isn't there? The Kamara kid from Tennessee can run routes. He's probably the second best route running running back in the draft after McCaffrey. And you can do a lot of things with him in your offense. And with your dart thrower of a quarterback, that works out pretty well. Offensive line is going to be very interesting because every year we say, well, there's not enough of this, not enough of that at some position. This year's offensive line. But how come every year I look in the league and Corey Lindsley's a seventh-round pick and he's starting to center for Green Bay, right? And we just go right on down the line and guys find their way. So development, growth, experience, yeah, there's always plenty of guys sitting around. Okay, we don't have a first-round pick. But can we get out of pick 48 with a first-round talent? What's the ideal scenario for the Vikings? Well, I think there's there's going to be first-round talent in that range right there, no question. And I think it just kind of depends on, on what area you want to look at and what position you want to look at. To me, the, the corner position is incredibly deep if you wanted to go in that direction. The tight end position is incredibly deep if you wanted to go in that direction. The running back position is incredibly deep. So those are some of the positions I think you can get first-round talent at, at that portion of the draft. I believe in one of your earlier episodes of the Move the Sticks podcast, you did perfect pairs. And for the Vikings... You guys had Marcus May, the safety from Florida, and Dorian Johnson, a lineman from Pitt. Are you still kind of thinking in that direction for the Vikings? Well, I think, again, you're talking about the safety in May, who probably carries a much higher grade than any other year. We just have so much depth this year, so I think there's tremendous value. And then Dorian Johnson, to me, I, I gave him a high second-round grade, and he's somebody, I think, in a draft kind of void of offensive linemen. I think he's got a chance to come in and play right away on the interior. So we'll see how, how high he ends up going. I had heard early in the process, ah, third round for Dorian Johnson. Then as we get closer, just the lack of linemen, I think you see him go in the second round. Last question, we're going to test you here. The forgotten phase in football is special teams. So if you look at kickers, punters, but I'm thinking more specifically returners. Yeah. Anyone that's kind of piquing your interest in this class? Well, we've got McKenzie. He's a little kid from uh, Georgia who's a real dynamic returner. You've got Ryan Switzer from North Carolina who's probably going to go in the third round, fourth round range. 
who's an outstanding returner. And then a couple of the best returners are guys we all know for their other other work. That's a Dory Jackson, John Ross. You look at Jabril Peppers, what he can do as a returner. So those guys are going to get picked for what they do on one side of the ball or the other, but that's a nice bonus. I think in this draft, Lobby, um, I think 10 to 50 is really similar. And I think that's one of the reasons it's such a good draft. So even though you don't have a first-round pick, you're going to be living in the second, third, and fourth rounds, and there's going to be a ton of comparable talent, especially deep in certain positions like running back, where, where I think the Vikings would be very interested. So I think the Vikings are going to get a talented player in each of those rounds, and that's why I'm so bullish on this draft. The Vikings have Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. All right, but people are still slotting them for a running back. So what type of running back would fit? Um, I think a playmaker. I, I think you have your big back in Latavius Murray and Jerk. McKinnon's done a great job of uh, stepping in and being a third down back and things like that. But they just need to add another playmaker. Um, you want to add as much competition possible to uh, every position. Obviously, when you lose AP, you want to, you know, figure out a way to get that type of juice back. Um, I know Latavius is coming off an of ankle injury, so that's a concern. Uh, or ankle surgery, that's a concern. But um, I know they're, they're excited about a lot of these backs here, and uh, they're, they're expecting to go and get one early. So, um, you know, they could, it could be any whichever one. If they move back into the first or if they wait till someone falls to them in the second, it, it doesn't matter. I think they'll be ready and excited for whoever they're in. They have a plan for whoever that may be. What do you think, uh, presuming health for Latavius, what do you like about him and how's the fit going to work in Minnesota? Well, first of all, your O-line coach, Tony Sperano, was with us in Oakland, so he knows Latavius very well. He understands where he excels at. Latavius, is a, it's a, he's, a, he's 6'4", 230, but he has the ability out of the backfield. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, and that's where he excels, you know, in open field. And so uh, he gives you the presence of being that big, powerful back, which he can be. Uh, but he excels with open space, shaking people, using that 4-3 speed uh, to break down the sideline. Um, he does a great job of breaking through arm tackles. And, again, he's a when, when you're that big, you can block anybody. So he has the strength in, uh, to go in and block. So he's I think he's an every down back. But when you're coming off of ankle surgery, it's a concern. So teams want to make sure that they're prepared and they have uh, what we call insurance for you. So The challenges for an offensive lineman to come in in his first year and play. What 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 are the challenges for those guys? The college game and the high school game has changed so dramatically. Fullbacks are an endangered species, okay? They're like dinosaurs. They're like extinct. Half the teams in the NFL don't even have a fullback, okay? And so you get everybody, every quarterback's in shotgun. Every quarterback looks at the coach and the players are looking at the coach. Okay, thank you. Run the play. Um, you know, you don't you don't have the guy in the, that has been in a huddle to lead men and say, "All right, let's go, let's go." We got two minutes left. We got to take a time out here. We got to get out of bounds. We got to let's go. There's there's none of those leadership skills that are developed quite like that that we want in the National Football League. The offensive linemen, if the quarterbacks in shotgun, the offensive linemen are in that cute two point stance. All right. And, and I, I happen to be old school just like you, you know, and I want to see a guy with a, in a three-point stance and a drive block once in a while. I want to see somebody kick somebody's butt. And those kind of run plays, the power, the lead, the blast, the iso, those kind of plays are like non-existent in college and high school these days. It's, it's crazy to try to find that. So to predict that an offensive lineman is going to be a good run blocker, I don't know, good luck, block, block, draw, 
cakewalk, a little trap. You know, I mean, so you got to project just like you do as a running back. There's no more eye tailback, it seems. There's always the shotgun tailback running at three different run plays. When you look at running back and you think you have a need at running back, what do you pay attention to when you're when you're evaluating the runners in college? And, and do you take into account what you have on your roster? Of course. Yeah, you always take into account what you have on your roster. If, if, uh, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I evaluate all the running backs coming out in the draft, but I don't need one. Um, the three that are going to go in the first round, it looks like, are, all, are different kinds of running backs, yet all first-rounders. Leonard Fournette, who I know very well, he played on my Under Armour All-American team, um, is a banger, is a big, strong back that can, that can do it all. He's not as good in the passing game. He wasn't asked to do as much in the passing game as Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook. But trust me, he can catch the football. We, he, he's, we ran a wheel route in the game to him for a touchdown to win the game. And so, so you know, he's, he's, he's trustworthy in the passing game and pass protection too. Um, but he's the bell cow. He's, he's the tone setter. He's the guy that if you have a fullback, you want to have him back there and smashing it up in there, all right? Christian McCaffrey's a heck of a back too, but he's a different kind of back, right? If, if your offensive coordinator wants to be one of those gurus that put that guy over there as a receiver sometimes in the slot, out wide, you know, do some option route, you know, all of, all of those kinds of things, then Christian McCaffrey's your guy, and Delvin Cook is a little bit like that too. Um, so... We went through a period of time in the league where there was no running backs in the first round drafted. Remember that? It's like the running back is dead. It's always by committee. You can get them in the third round. Well, nah. You know, then the Gurleys and the Melvin Gordons and the Ezekiel Elliotts show up. And you go, you know what? It might be good to have a great running back, too. I think those were years that just didn't have that great Adrian Peterson-type running back. Now there are three really excellent running backs, and there will be others drafted on the second day. What's Mike Zimmer's reputation for offensive players in the league? You go I hated Mike Zimmer. Um, he was always a guy that you had to prepare for. Um, I, and professionally, hey, as, a, as I admire him, they, when I went against a Mike Zimmer defense, I always had to study extra, and that's what he's doing. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, what he's done. How he, the player he's become, man, um, I, you know, they got a Thursday night game. I'm excited to watch him up close. Um, I think if they can get a, a guy like him on the other side, um, I think the young guy um, from Michigan State, um, Trey, I think he's starting to find his own. I, you know, I think it was a lot more pressure on him that he sh- that shouldn't have been expected, but it was. Um, so I think if I think if they can add a guy in the slot. Um, or a guy outside and put put him in a slot, I think it, it, it will let him come to his own a little bit better and, and allow less pressure on himself. Do you remember your first career game in the NFL? Yes, I do. That was a long time ago. Where was it? It was, uh, it, it was in, uh, I think it was called a Metrodome at Minnesota? that time. Yeah, they had the guy with the beard on the motorcycle. You had a pretty um, good game. Yeah, that was the only game we won, so... I think you returned a kick for a touchdown. Yes, and the next year it was my first touch, my first reception. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. It's going. I, I know we had a Super Bowl out there. I'm going to be working um, for that. Uh, my body is not prepared for that cold. 
Um, it's going to be interesting. With the way you played in Minnesota, no, you might sound the Gallerhorn. No, is what you might do. no, I'm not going to do that. Too many lips have been on that. I'm good. Right. <laughs> the challenges for young young corners coming into the NFL right now, what are they, and how does having a guy like Terrence Newman help? Oh, T. T. Newman going to tell him, man, you're not on scholarship anymore. Okay, you was cool with one of the boosters. You can't be cool with nobody here. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of league. I don't care what round you went. So, uh, Terrence Newman, man, when you have that veteran guy who's still playing at a high level, which is crazy, still playing at a high level, when you have that kind of guy sitting in the locker room, he's telling the young guys about what I'm saying right now. He's teaching the young guys how to be a professional. He's grooming the young guy, Xavier Rhodes. Like, if you ask Zay, Zay, who grooming you? T. No. All day. And when you have a guy like Terrence Newman in that locker room, it, it, helps, it helps a lot. But um, transitioning from, from being, you know, on scholar to actually having your own bills and you competing with other guys in the league who got families. So this is an alpha in the jungle kind of atmosphere in this locker room. Every man for himself. And now you're going to be held accountable uh, by coaches and your teammates. There is no favoritism. You got to be proven. So that's the difference. And then the last thing before we go, uh, media availability happened back at Winter Park earlier in the week. Vikings general manager Rick Spielman held his annual pre-draft press conference where he spilled the beans on everything he plans to do in the NFL draft this year. Just kidding, he didn't do that, but he did have a few interesting things to say, and here are some of those. Uh, first off, I'd just like to uh, thank the staff, um, the coaches, and especially the uh, scouts for all their effort and energy they put into this uh, every year. Um, I'd like to recognize Jamal Stevenson uh, for his leadership as he kind of guides us through the process uh, all the way back when we had our first meetings in December through our February meetings, and then as we all come together as one group and finalize our draft board. I uh, feel very strong about this draft. I think the uh, depth of this draft class, especially in some of the areas that we'll be looking at, are, are very significant, I think, through the uh, mid-rounds. And for us to have uh, an extra third and an extra fourth this year is going to pay dividends for us. Um, other thing I'd like to point out is just uh, working and seeing Coach Shermer at the end of the season uh, with the new offensive coaches coming in and sitting down with uh, uh, Coach Zimmer and Coach Shermer and identifying the traits that we're looking for on the offensive side of the ball and what's going to fit his scheme. I know we're very in tune to what we're looking for on a defensive side, and I think um, we feel very strongly that uh, – we can identify those players in this draft that are going to fit the specific skill set uh, that we're going to need uh, to perform in uh, Coach Shermer's offense. So uh, I think it will be a big weekend for us. I know we're going to add uh, a lot of quality players, and there will be a lot of new faces uh, going into this next season. So I'll open it up for questions. Is it more of a challenge or less of a challenge when you don't have a first-round pick? Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say if it's more or less. I think you approach every round, and we approach the board every way, every, uh, the same way every year. So we just put, we put as much emphasis into the first round as we do into the fourth and fifth round. And I know uh, probably over the weekend 
and finishing up yesterday, really, really honed in on the uh, sixth, seventh rounders. I know I have to do a better job of college free agency. We will be uh, much more aggressive in that area, something that we haven't been in the past. I know with how we <clears throat> planned our roster going into 17 and losing a lot of our backup type vet players, that these young players from last year's draft class and this year's draft class coming in are going to have to play a significant role on this roster. Rick, when you talk about needing to fill in some of the depth and what have you, does that affect the draft from the standpoint that maybe you might be looking for some more ready-to-play players than maybe down-the-road guys or anything like that? I think we, you know, we're always and we've always had the philosophy of just following our board. And I think uh, where we're picking in the second round, uh, we, we've already pounded it and we're going to do it again this afternoon, the potential scenarios that are going to be looking at us. And whether that's, a, you know, whatever position, uh, we'll be prepared. We also talked about potentially any of those guys that may be developed in the first round for some reason falling to us in the second round. And is that may not be a need, but is that talent too great to pass up? Because he's going to eventually be on the field and, and would hopefully be able to come on the field early his rookie year if you're picking that high. So we're not going to box ourselves into saying, well, we have this need, so we have to take this position in this round. I think um, as, as you go down through the draft, you have to understand the depth of each position. So if you know potentially you can get a position in the fourth round that may, may equate to that same value uh, in the third round, then you may wait and take, a, take that position in the fourth round, where if you look at your draft board and you see the depth after the first seven or eight players is not there, then and they're equal in ability, then you're going to address a need that way. So you just really have to understand where the depth of each position is in this draft and where you can hold and where you know you have to probably take that position if it's on your draft board at that time and you have that uh, evaluation on him. Rick, you haven't, haven't hesitated in the past to move up into the first round to, to grab guys if you like them there. Do you, do you see a scenario like that being playable or do you, do you need enough more guys so you want to hold on to some of those picks? I think just looking at, at where this is, one, I think it's a pretty significant jump and pretty costly to go from where we're picking in the second round all the way back into the first. Um, two, I think we'll be, I think there are a lot of quality players through the second, third, and fourth rounds that can be significant players for us next year coming in. Um, but you, you, you never know if something falls out of the sky that's just too good or, or you make that happen. But I, I would say as of standing here today, that's an unlikely scenario at this Finally, point. Finally, uh, players also were made available to the media. Uh, the Vikings uh, public relations staff and the football side of the organization decided to, uh, as they do every year, let some of the media come in and observe some of the offseason workouts that go on. And then after that observation period, uh, some of the players came out and were available. So here are some highlights from those. Well, the question of the day is... Uh What's going to be like facing Adrian Peterson in the first game of the season next year? You know, me, me and Adrian, you know, I've been knowing Adrian for a long time now, you know. Um, I played with the guys for seven years, and, you know, he, he, was, a, he was also, you know, he was a, a great running back, but he also was a great player on and off the field, you know. Um, 
and um, and you know it's hard to see him go, but at the same time, you know it's gonna be fun going out there and finally get to go hit him. You know, we always talked about it. You know, we always because he's never you was never able to touch him during practice, so <laughs> you always had to run by him and you know tag off. But you know, I think it's gonna be a fun opportunity now because every time we do, I'd be like, oh, oh, I can't wait, oh, I can't wait. But now, you know, now we get the opportunity to go out there and really hit him. So you know, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a fun um, time to play against him in New Orleans. Um, um, but you know, it's, it's hard to see him go. But at the same time, it's gonna be fun playing against him. It looked like it was headed this way. Were you surprised at all when it finally did happen? I don't know, man. I don't know the odds about that. Opening up with new um, the um, the Saints week one, you know, and all of a sudden they signed Adrian. So I think the NFL had a little inside scoop on what was going on. So um, the schedule came out, and then it came in, you know, that he went to the Saints. So I think the NFL had a little inside scoop on what was going on. But you know, it is what it is, and you know, our team's gonna be ready. You know, we're gonna we're gonna prepare each and every week, and you know, just not to face Adrian Peterson, to face the whole team. You know, um, you know, this is the team game, the best team game, and we got to go out there and play for four quarters to be able to beat these guys when, when the time comes. How do you separate your feelings? I mean, it's a business, obviously, but Adrian, someone you shared your friendship with in the locker room, now all of a sudden he's on the other side of the ball. It's a business, man. Um, you know, this game is a business, man. Um, you know, um, you see you see great ones always go from Jared Allen to, you know, Adrian Peterson. So it's a part of the business, man. You know, you it's tough to see them guys go when they do it because Jared Allen, he was a big role model to me. But it's a business at the end of the day, you know. Um, you know, you got 236 guys coming, 252 guys coming in each and every year. So you always got to be on your A game. You always got to come and bring your best, um, you know your your best your best foot forward, and you know for his situation, you know it's just you know it's a business, you know, and um, I hate to see him go, but it's just a business. What's it gonna be like now trying to tackle Adrian Peterson? <laughs> <laughs> uh, first, it's, it's gonna be weird, you know. You know, Adrian been here for many of years. He's been, I mean, I mean, everyone in Minnesota loved him. Not only the team, but the fans, you know, the family and everything. So uh, it's gonna be weird. First of all, see him in a different color jersey. And, uh, different logo. You know, it's going to be definitely weird. And also playing against us in the home field is going to be weird also. But um, you have to do what we have to do. You get the ball, have to tackle them. You know, we, usually we don't tackle them and don't touch them at all in practice. But it's, that's also going to be different. What do you think the fans? What do you think fans might be like? You think they'll give them a nice cheer or be kind of mixed or what do you think? It'll um, be like? that's something I can't answer. I mean, that's something we have to see when that when that day comes. You know. Um, yeah, you never know, you know, how people feel. You know, that's that's a moment type thing. You know, once that moment happened, this when we all figure it out. How many will this team miss from him? Practices like your training camp, goal line situations, anything like that, where it's come up? Zero. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Latavius, what is it like to come in and, and follow Adrian Peterson, the guy that I'm sure you watched throughout the years? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's you know, it's, it's it's kind of you know a different feeling. You know, obviously when you grow up watching a player and. Um, you know, admire much about his game, but I think, you know, um, this this how the business is where, you know, the situations work out like that. You've been watching a guy at one place for so long, and then here you are, a guy that's coming in, you know, as he, you know, was, was leaving out. So, um, you know, I know I got uh, some big shoes to fill, but, you know, again, um, you know, I am who I am, and, you know, I, I'll be the back that I, that, you know, the best back that I can be. Uh, and, and, and and can continue to get better. Well, you already okay, won a lot. In terms of, of your, you already won a lot of fans over handling the the number situation. I don't know if you realize that yeah. or not. Well, um, you know, for me, I, again, you know, to grow up as a, as a fan of his and um, to to watch and admire what he's done um, and to do it at a place for so long as he's done here. 
Um, you know, I knew it was, you know, it was no thought in my mind, you know what I mean? So, um, I'm, you know, I'm glad they appreciated what I said, but I wasn't trying to do that. Uh, that was just, you know, from, from a young kid uh, that grew up watching the player that he was. That's a wrap here from Philadelphia. This edition of the Wobcast is over, but uh, draft coverage is only beginning, so we encourage you to stay tuned to all of our platforms, the Vikings app, the Vikings on social media, and, of course, Vikings.com. Continuing coverage right here from Philadelphia will be forthcoming. We're going to track down Gophers head football coach P.J. Fleck at the Red Carpet event. And then, of course, when we get back to Minneapolis and Eden Prairie and Winter Park, the draft coverage will continue from there as we break down who the Vikings selected and why It should be a lot of fun. The NFL Draft is about to begin right here in Philadelphia. We'll be here for it, and we'll be back in Minnesota over the weekend, so stay tuned to Vikings.com for more. On behalf of producer Mike Harris and producer back home Nate Vaughn, I'm your host, Mike Wabshaw. This edition of the Wabcast is over. Enjoy the draft, everyone.